Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. I am your host, Nick Jenkins, and today I'm joined by three friends. First, Sari Riley. Hello. Hello. Caitlin Hoffmeister. Hello. Hi. And of course, Matthew Gatos. Hello. How are you doing? All of you. Good. At the same time. Now. <laughs> All right. right. Ah, ah. Sweet. All right. Uh, <laughs> There's just a lot of screaming. Lot. Yeah. It's been... Sari and I were talking earlier, like, I feel like all of us have fit, like, four weeks into the last two weeks. It's yeah. It's been a very busy time. Mm-hmm. I just sent out a tweet that was, it's been such a long week at Crash Course that basically all Nicole and I can do is slack each other how tired we both are. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is... I knew it was going to be a long week when on Tuesday night I was like, is it Friday? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it's, I, no, it's, it's the other not tea. Friday. <laughs> Uh, th- yeah, so this is going to be probably a little bit of a Space Cadet episode, I think, because we're all exhausted. That seems Perfect. pretty fitting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we are talking about a very fascinating movie. I found yeah. it, I, I found it fascinating just from a perspective of, I don't know why this movie exists, <laughs> uh, but I was so happy that Caitlin brought it to my attention. I, I had seen the box in video stores and it creeped me out. The cover of this is really effectively creepy. And that scene actually does happen in the movie, too. The, yeah. the, the, well, we'll get to it in a second. But, uh, yeah, I was fascinated by this. <laughs> um, and, uh, Caitlin, what movie are we talking about? We're talking about The Company of Wolves. A Neil Jordan film. Yeah. Neil Jordan, who is a wonderful director. And uh, this is a werewolf movie, sort of. It's, a, it's more... Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah. Sexual Awakening, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, we're going to talk good, yeah. about that. <laughs> I think that's yeah. your plot dump right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's do an actual plot dump. So we got to do a 60 second plot dump for The Company of Wolves. And uh, for today, I want it to be Sari. Cool. Uh, okay. Basically, because I know how these other two feel about it, but you have been so tight lipped. Mm. I haven't heard anything about Ooh. how you feel about this movie. <laughs> let's judge from her tone. Yeah, I don't know how dump. I feel either is the thing. Oh, oh okay. That seems appropriate. I'm going to discover in this conversation. That's fair. <laughs> that's that's totally cool. Okay, so plot dump for The Company of Wolves in three, two, one. So there's this like rosy-cheeked, rosy-lipped girl laying in bed. Her name's Rosaline. And uh, we start with her sister knocking on the door and being mean. And then she slips into a dream sequence where she jumps into a fantasy world. Her parents are there. Her sister's there. Um, and her sister gets murdered by a pack of wolves in the woods. And the whole movie is kind of compiled of stories that her granny tells her about the dangers of wolf men uh, who have unibrows and <laughs> whatever. Um and there's a lot of stuff like veiled puberty metaphors. There's a lot of like jump scary horror tropes that felt weird, like spiders falling from the ceiling or creepy doll faces that I didn't know what they were doing with it. Um, and then her grandma gets eaten by a wolf and then she gets turned into a wolf and then she goes back into the real world, wakes up from a dream and a wolf jumps through the window. The end. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. That was very good. Yeah, you nailed that. Uh, that is that. Yeah, that's really it. So, Caitlin, how did this yeah. movie come onto your radar? Uh, my partner, Lauren Norby, wanted to see it. I think maybe because he had seen the cover or he had seen part of a scene from it. Um, 
the costuming and the art he like does art for movies yeah um and so the costuming and the art in this movie are really interesting and cool and so he had been wanting to see this movie forever it was actually like really hard to find for a long time and it came to the roxy our local little art house theater here in missoula and he it was there one night and he's like we gotta go (laughs) and i was like yeah okay like it sounds cool like weird costumes like weird like fables stories let's do it and then uh i looked over at him like as the credits started and i was like angela lansbury oh i'm so excited and i was like oh no is that dog gonna die and i was like really stressed out and then like maybe 10 minutes in it felt like four hours in i like look at him and he goes thank you so much for watching this with me. <laughs> <laughs> just like, i was like what is this he knew early on he's like yeah. i'm so sorry <laughs> But then rewatching it was actually pretty fun. And like, it's only an hour and a half long. Oh, man, it does not no. feel an hour and a half long. Yeah. yeah, when I was like, I was like, okay, I was like rewatching it. And I was like, how long is this? How much time do I need to budget? It's 95 minutes. It was much but, like a lot of the movies you watch uh, for this podcast. It was much shorter than it feels. Yeah. Like, it was only an hour and a half. It felt like a slog to get through. Well, and I think that's because of the t- the storytelling. Because there's so many stories, you think? There's so many stories, and, and none of them has really an arc. No. So there's no, no way to tell, like, I'm in the middle of this story. Right. Like, I was constantly going, like, am I near the end? Yeah. What's happening? Mm-hmm. So... That's fascinating. So for yeah. me, when I saw this cup, there's a cup, the, the there's a re- wonderfully hand painted cover for this. Cool. That it's okay. on Amazon. If you watch it on Amazon Prime, that paint that poster is what you see of a wolf snout coming out of a man's mouth. And it, oh. as a child, that was frightening it's as hell to me. Gross. Even in the movie, it's frightening. Yeah. Like the that transformation sequence happens a couple times, and both times it's weird. Well, the one time, especially, it's a skinless wolf yeah. transformation. Yeah. So it's just muscles. I hated that. It's very wet. <laughs> it I, was, I didn't know what was happening. I thought, yeah. like, I was, I couldn't tell whether he was being destroyed or if, it, like, the transformation was happening. And then he was just pulling off his skin. Yeah. Became more and more bloody. Yeah. For uh, yeah, no I don't reason. Know. Yeah. No reason whatsoever. Because then, I want to be clear how convoluted this is. So <laughs> this... Werewolf transformation is happening in a story that Rosaline's grandmother is telling her in Rosaline's dream. Which is inside this, like, current day movie. Yes. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the movie starts out modern times, it looks yeah. like. there Early might be 80s, some mid-80s. Yeah, yeah, and there might be something supernatural happening out there. We uh, Before we get to the end, when there obviously is, but there's a lot of stories within stories within stories happening in here. Some of those stories kind of go somewhere. Some of them don't like there is a story at the end about a she wolf who comes out of the well, gets shot, talks to a priest and then goes back in the well. And that's the story. Yep. I don't know why Rosaline tells that story to a dying wolf. (laughs) (laughs) It's supposed to be. But the wolf is, he lives. Yeah. And he jumps out of the window. Yeah. They run off to the woods together. And then it's, she's the she wolf. But why does she tell she, that story? Because it's because she's only been repeating stories, and now she's telling her own story. She needs to go back to Granny and like, hey, Granny, 
I mean, Granny's dead at this point. But oh, like, my God. Hey, Granny, tell me another story because hey, I'm really bad at telling my own. Well, hey, Granny's Granny porcelain also head. Bad. Yeah, I love Granny's porcelain head. We got <laughs> to we, we we describe that and not just act like that's like a 90s grunge band or something. Oh, <laughs> Granny's porcelain head. That's a great band name. Because you know, she dies. How all wolves kill their prey. They smack your head off and it turns to porcelain. Slap. Like he does, he just rawr, slaps yeah. her, and her head comes off of her neck, yeah. and hits the fire place mantle thing. mantle. Yeah. yeah, thank you, and then just shatters. That actually, there was like, there's not a lot of explanation or coherency to anything, but I loved that her head was porcelain because the when we go into the dream, we're seeing all of her weird toys, and mm-hmm. the one looks like Granny. It's like a porcelain doll. Sure, and then there's like. The little like doughboy that tries to hug her sister and stuff like that. And so then as we're ending the movie, then I was finally like, I, the first time I watched it, I was like, what? But that was like the one time that you're like, okay, we're close to the end. Like mm-hmm. we're going, we're coming back out of this frame because she, granny just turned into a toy that broke. Yeah. You know, so that I was like, okay. I agree. And like, I, I, the, okay, I, I don't want to go down too far down yeah, my I rabbit hole here, but like, I, so you saw it in the theater first. Yeah. That's fascinating. Uh, so this movie, when it came out back in 1984, um, $2 million budget. Looking at it, seems about right. Mm-hmm. This seems like a low-budgeted horror movie. Artfully done. Like, it's it, there's nothing about it that when I watched it was like, ew, whoa, low budget. Oh, like, no, yeah. there were some effective. There's some stuff that I was like, ew. Oh, yes. Yeah. There's but, definitely like, some, some directorial choices. Oh, but... well, we'll get to that. <laughs> The, um, the, the more you get into the behind the scenes of this movie, the worse it gets. Yeah, the, the grosser it gets and weirder. Uh, but it made its money back in uh, worldwide, but it also made double its money back in the U.S. So it, it did about $4.5 million in the States, which is actually impressive yeah. for a little English film. Uh, so people liked it. And then, Matt, you were actually... When you were looking for a real good for this episode, you came across some lists. <laughs> I was looking up because I don't have a lot of experience watching werewolf movies, I realized. I just, I was like, oh, maybe my real good could be a werewolf movie. And I looked and I was like, I haven't seen any of these except for like Twilight. Um, and that's <laughs> also, not a good. so good. <laughs> no, yeah. not Spoiler alert, not my real good this episode. <laughs> but I found multiple lists that were like best werewolf movies, best uh, story within a story movies. And two of those lists had this movie on the lists. As a, of... as a good werewolf movie and a good story within a story movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, rewrite <laughs> your list. And somebody was like talking about it in these very like artful ways as if it was like such a good story and well told. And I'm like, you are just wrong. I think that we're going to get some hate for this episode because good. like I think there is like. <laughs> At me. Yeah. <laughs> but even before we started recording, I was talking to somebody upstairs and she was like, I love that movie. I was like, oh, okay, I'll talk to you about it later. <laughs> oh, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah, I I am a, a person who loves craft. I also love films that deal with dreams when they deal with them well. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like this film dealt with dreams well. Um, I don't, I don't know. It, it just, it, all of the, and all of the story within a story stuff just exhausted me. It didn't actually work in a way that I was like, oh, this is fascinating. We're going deeper. We're, we're yeah. doing, it just, I was just like, oh God, another one. <sighs> yeah. That's, I know. Yeah. That's how I felt too, where I couldn't point out specific things wrong with 
the stories or the themes, but it felt like I was either tired by it or it went over my head in like a frustrating way. So I could imagine someone really enjoying it and pulling things out that I just glossed over, but it felt like they were just throwing so many different tropes and themes yeah. and yeah. ideas at me that I just didn't collect any of them yeah. and got nothing out of it. It was like symbol dump. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's a great way like, to describe it. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. And I think, Sarah, you're being really charitable saying that, like, maybe it went over your head. I think some of those stories just, like, never completed. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, the babies in the eggshells of the bird. Yeah. yeah the, I like... wrote down egg babies. It's just one of my notes. And I'm the... just like, this seemed very important to yeah. everyone in the movie. The mom understood it, but I didn't. Yeah. Like, I think it was, my theory is that she got her period. Like, that's what it was a symbol uh, for? Maybe. I don't know. Wow. That would make more sense than anything I came up with. (laughs) But I think, like, what we're talking about is, like, the structure of this film is so bad. Like, the the opening moments, we never get to see Rosaline, like, awake. awake. We don't see the grandma in the real world. We don't, like... So many movies that are, like, the whole thing was a dream or, like, they dive into dreams or it's story within story... There's little seeds that are planted beforehand. Like that... Wizard of Oz is always like a model that I imagine. Exactly. That, yeah. Or uh, I hope I'm not stealing anybody's real good. This isn't mine. But uh, uh, Princess Bride feels mm-hmm. very similar to this movie. Yeah. Of like it's the grandpa telling the son the story. Uh, the, the grandson the story. It and... is. I was like, where's the frame story in that movie? Well, well like, <laughs> that's, a, that's a movie that does it well because Wait. you end up caring about the main – you care about the main story and – the fact that the grandpa's telling the grandson the story isn't... Does that really happen? Yeah. <laughs> That's the Princess Bride. It shows okay. the... Yeah, uh, Peter Falk. Yeah. Columbo shows up to uh, <laughs> Fred Savage and is like, hey, I want to tell you the story. Do and they... Does then... Do, question. Does he then go on to tell him the never-ending story? See, I was going to bring up never-ending story <laughs> as another <laughs> example Because of this. that's also the grandpa and sick grandson that I imagine for that. Too. No, there Different. is no... There is okay. no grandpa, sick grandson in that. It's a father-son. I believe the mother was dead. I have never seen by wolves, maybe. Oh, oh, there is a wolf in that. Perfect. (laughs) There's a really creepy, scary wolf. (laughs) What we're saying is other movies have done this better. Yeah. (laughs) Go watch any of those movies. Well, if you look at Wizard of Oz, which is a film I don't really care for, but I don't hate it. I just, uh, it never, I was the wrong age when I saw it. I was too old and it just, I never got the magic (laughs) to the whole thing. But that's 13 and he hated it. Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a film when you watch when you're like five the Wizard of Oz is enchanting, but once I was in, I was a teenager. I was too cynical to appreciate it, and it never hooked me. But the story that's happening, whether or not that story is real, like whether or not we are willing to believe that Dorothy actually went to Oz and came back, or this was just a dream she was having after she'd been, you know, spoilers after the, <laughs> after the tornado knocked her, you know, but knocked her out. Literally an eighty-year-old movie. <laughs> I know, but my, but that's the point. Like they can they're play with, playing with it. Yeah, yeah, they can play with it, but also there's. There's there's a goal she has in that dream yeah. that she is trying to, you know, she's trying to get back home, right? And yeah. we can follow that with her. There's nothing in this movie for me to be following Rosaline. There, she just, she's going to go on a walk with a boy and... <laughs> Don't stray from and the And then path. she goes and, home. Then her parents have sex really awkwardly next to her. And then her dad talks about how hot she is. Oh, God. Yeah, that was really... Ugh. And then her granny oh. talks about 
everything everything weird. yeah great angela lance this is a wonderful cast too you yeah got angela lansbury who's wonderful uh has been for jesus a uh, hundred years i think she's 94 and she's still she was great before she was born yeah <laughs> but she uh she i think her last movie that she did was in 2017 so she's still working and mm-hmm. still doing stuff uh you know you've got david warner who has done some questionable quality stuff but he shows up in here as the father and then the father again um, and then you've got the guy whose name I can never remember, but I know him from Downton Abbey, uh, who is the second husband of the woman who marries a traveling salesman. Are we talking about Downton Abbey? A man or who travels. Movie? The travel, the traveler yeah. guy. Whose eyes meet in the middle. Her eyebrows. Eyebrows. <laughs> Just all fam- all werewolves are cross-eyed. Yeah. That'd be yeah. great. <laughs> Same Cyclops. Cyclopses, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, Cyclops Werewolf. Oh, That's yeah. my it. next sci-fi movie right there. How would you fix it? Cyclops Werewolves. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Boom. <laughs> the end. Yeah. Real good, that future movie I'm making. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the struggle that I have here is that like Wizard of Oz is still an entertaining film because mm-hmm. we're on a journey. There's goals. There's yeah. goals. There's, you know, some very simple structure to it. Yeah. Um, then the same can be said of NeverEnding Story or Princess Bride. Like there are goals that these characters mm-hmm. are trying to... And then you weave in meaning behind that. I had nothing to latch on to in here. Yeah. Like like nothing except that's weird. I guess it's like the the thing that we as teachers maybe warn students about when writing about dreams. It's like, okay, but yeah, that's weird, but who cares? Right. And it's like the thing for me about a movie or any story is that like you're making promises in the beginning and then you need to deliver on them. And so if you're operating in a dream, you're you're aiming this whole time to then break a promise Mm. you know and so you're like all of this stuff is real and has stakes and like there's something tying it all together but then she just wakes up and you're like and there's a wolf yeah you're like yeah and there's a pack of family dogs to be honest oh that's true yeah that's a good point yeah (laughs) but we don't one of my biggest issues is that we don't know her before she's in the dream so like a large part of, again, stories within stories, dreams within dreams, whatever, like, is you're comparing the dream version of this person's life to the real version of their That's life. And we don't know anything about her. We don't know if she's behaving the same as she would in real life. We don't know, like, really anything about her family dynamic other than her sister sucks yeah. or is just yelling at her. And she dies immediately. That's so the, the only like, the only payoff in the movie. Yeah. You're like, cool, she dies. But like, that's the only <laughs> connection awful. we have to the the real world is that we know her sister and what she's like. Yeah. And then the first thing they do in the fantasy world is kill her off. Right? And so all of our connection is lost. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that that's, that's what's <laughs> missing the most from this movie is just any semblance of like connection to the real world. And we even for some reason, flash back to her lying in bed dreaming a few times throughout this movie. Yeah. And it, it's not like she wakes up and realizes it and goes back to sleep. It's not like her family is looking for her. Oh, that would have been cool. She's just, like, <laughs> she's just sleeping the whole time and nothing is really happening. Doesn't she wake up at one point and then we see what's happening like... The dream is happening in um, her mirror. It's the uh, it's another story within a story when yeah. uh, they go to meet uh, the devil and he's driving a Rolls Royce. Also, <laughs> great part. It, it was, uh, <laughs> and she's driving the car. Yes, she's yeah. driving the car, and it's Terrence Stamp, the great Terrence Stamp. Originally, it was supposed to be Andy Warhol, 
cool. Yeah. But Andy Warhol had just survived an assassination attempt, I think, and decided he didn't want to travel, um, which, you know what? Hey, yeah. that's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. But Andy Warhol would have been a weird choice, and I, I kind of applaud that. But yeah. <laughs> again, this is the thing of like, okay, then he puts something on his chest and grows hair, and now he's a werewolf. And oh, no, what am I supposed to take away from this? Yeah. Like, what am I supposed... And you never met that kid before. Like, you don't know. Like, you don't care about yeah. him. I'm so frustrated by this. <laughs> I love werewolf stories. I, I absolutely do. So Matt doesn't have a lot of experience with well, werewolf movies and stories. And I do. I love that. We even talked about it last week when we were talking about uh, The Incredible Hulk. How The Incredible Hulk is basically a werewolf story. Yeah. Um, except it doesn't end in tragedy. Like, the werewolf story usually ends in tragedy. But... All of these werewolf stories I've ever known have had that woven in, have had things about masculinity woven in, have had things about puberty or about, um, you know, changing bodies and things like that mm-hmm. woven in and not explicitly stated. So doing this reverse engineering it from the other side with femininity, I think, is a neat idea. But is that what they were, was, was that what Neil Jordan was trying to do with this? Like. Sari, in your uh, in your uh, plot dump, yeah. you even talked about there were there were elements of that. Yeah, I got the sense that the aspects of femininity that were in it were more from the Red Riding Hood story rather than from the werewolf story. If that makes sense, so he he like yeah. mushed he mushed together metaphors and symbolism from two separate tropes into well, one yeah. movie as, many uh, yeah as matt pointed out to me many different stories many different stories merged yeah. Yeah. yeah but you have like the masculine puberty that is werewolves mm-hmm. and whatever boy changing getting attacked by vines things like that and then you have the young girl being a victim and learning that the world is a dangerous place and that this child boy wants to get her into the woods to smooch her in an aggressive way. And then there's the huntsman werewolf guy who's like seducing her. I don't know how I feel like this is, this conversation is great. And also like, I feel like by the end of it, I'm just going to be just as confused because Mm -hmm. this is a confusing movie. But even on top of that, you have the sequence, which I found effective. And for some reason it was at that point and it might be almost half over halfway through the movie when it happens. But when it does happen, I thought, okay, now we're going somewhere but it never went anywhere which was the sequence where the 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 um foppish people were having their wedding that story so there was a bunch of really rich snooty people having oh, like God. a wedding I, party I got it. yeah i was like wait that's early on but it's the different w- wedding yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like the very lots Linden of weddings scene. In the, yeah the, the, yeah <laughs> and the uh this woman walks into the the tent uh, who is obviously like a peasant and is pregnant. And she points a finger at the the guy who just got married and says, I was good enough for you once. And she's shocking everybody. And then she casts a spell on them. Does mm-hmm. she? Yeah. 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 I think she's supposed to be kind of a quote unquote witch. Okay. That's what I got too. She was credited in the on IMDb <laughs> as yes. the witch woman. Yes, or she like is. That. That's, what, that's why I thought mm-hmm. that. Um, and turns them all into werewolves. And it's a bizarre sequence. That's the sequence that Lauren had seen. And that's what made him want to watch this the This makes movie. sense then. Yeah. Because that to me was a very effective scene in and of itself. Yeah. But when you pop it into the larger film, it doesn't really 
seem to fit or to make right. sense. Well, because it seems like it's almost trying to like establish the lore. Yeah. Of the dream, and it's like one I don't need that because there's giant toys and all this stuff and yeah. granny's porcelain so it's like there shouldn't be a uh a, like a logical like lore behind that i don't need it but it also doesn't even make sense within that world like it doesn't there's not really any connection later on of like no that's the thing there's it's disconnected yeah it's so disconnected that i can't i can't even like apply my own meaning to it <laughs> Because then the movie contradicts me later on. And I'm like, well, okay, well, that doesn't fit. Yeah. And that's, it's, and I think I keep coming back to this, that it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. It became more frustrating to me when I saw the name Neil Jordan. Because Neil Jordan is a wonderful filmmaker. He made uh, a film that I still contend is an incredible book adaptation in Interview with a Vampire. Like, that is an incredible film. Uh, with really wonderful performances, especially from Tom Cruise, who I don't even like, but he's really good in there. Um, And it's a moody and effective film. The Crying Game is also an incredible thriller. Like it is, he's very talented. Have you seen Ondine? I haven't. I haven't either, but it's about a Selkie, also by Neil Jordan. Oh, really? And it's, uh, Lauren was telling me, because he was like, oh, he made this movie about a Selkie, you would love it, we should go see Company of Wolves. And I was like, sweet, and like, Apparently, Andine is really subtle and beautiful and like really hmm. cool. I couldn't find it in time to watch it for this, but I'll have to check it out. Not I, Company of Wolves. Not Company yeah. of Wolves. And you know, it's cool to see filmmakers grow. <laughs> I like that. You know, we learn don't do that again. Yeah. And I don't think he did. Uh, so, but uh, Matt, you found a piece of trivia that blew my mind in the worst way possible. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about that because. It actually, in talking about this, it actually makes me see maybe what the movie was originally going to be. So go ahead. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about like the puberty sexual awakening side of this film. And apparently the sexual awakening side of it was supposed to be much like a heavier theme. And they originally planned on casting like uh, an an older teen, like 17, 18, or like maybe somebody like even in her 20s, uh, based on the original script. But then they were auditioning girls and found the actress who does play Rosaline, who is 12, and decided, you know, I like her. I want her to be in this movie. Let's remove some of the sexual things so that it's not as creepy, but it still ends up being extremely creepy because she is literally 12 and the huntsman who tries to seduce her is 39 and yeah Sari just squeaked yeah that uh, was like gross in the movie but I didn't realize she was that young yes. and I didn't that's either. the thing too is like in the movie it is portrayed as a creepy scene that is happening mm-hmm. and I think this happens in a lot of movies where like there's a creepy old dude trying to seduce a young teen usually in movies not that it makes the moment better, but like the teen is usually played by someone who's 18, 20 years old or something. And so you're like, okay, this is like a fellow consenting adult agreeing to make this film and be in this scene. That's not quite the case in this thing because it's, yes, an actress doing her role as her part, but it still... It makes it way more uncomfortable. And the fact that like, like that just, was a like... choice that people made. I don't know. I think like... The uh, like you're saying they pulled back on the sexual like 
there's nothing in this movie that's not sexual. Well, <laughs> like, but that's, but that's, I'm just saying so what the interview like, said is like there was supposed to be more gratuitous things yeah, that they removed. I don't know. This movie sounds like it was hopeless from the start. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, No version like of this casting, movie is better. Yeah, casting a 12-year-old who looks 15, 16 anyway. I was shocked like, when I found that out. I thought they cast an 18-year-old who looked really, really young. Yeah. I don't think she looks that young. I mean, she's lovely. Like, yeah. But but she was literally yeah. 12 years old. Yeah. It's It was fine. I thought they cast younger and turns out... Uh, I thought they cast older. It turns out I had it completely backwards. Yeah, yeah. they they cast they didn't cast older, and she was and she looked younger. They cast younger, and she looked older. Yeah, yeah. Just it just a weird weird and, thing. And there's apparently a line cut out of the film where she does actually state her age mm. as twelve and three quarters. Uh, <laughs> Dad, what a cutie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was like it was one of those things where I was like reading trivia at the same time as I was like watching the film, and so I had that in my head even before the Huntsman showed up. And so then during that scene, I'm just like, I don't want to be watching this because he now, looks ancient no matter what, but especially yeah. next to her. Well, especially yeah. I thought it was, I, I was like, oh, and he's probably like a 30 year old dude. And then he was even older than that. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. just like, these filmmakers like made this decision to do this. The IMDb description or the Amazon Prime description is like a beautiful young girl. And then eventually runs into a handsome huntsman. I was like, oh, what? he's supposed to be handsome. Okay. Like, yeah. Like, yeah they like, all... No offense to the actor, but it just like, it does not play like she's interested in him. Like, it's just like, she... there's no care. Like, no. Um, yeah. yeah. And I don't know. No chemistry. Well, because like the uh, Stephen Rea, I think his name's Rea, uh, he, who's in, who's been in, I think, all of, or a lot of uh, Neil Jordan's films, played the traveling man yeah um and he could i could look at him and go handsome totally you know like i'm i'm curious like why didn't you why didn't you cast him as the huntsman because he also right. looks younger yeah but not young like yeah. I, you know what i mean but regardless of that a scheduling conflict could be i don't know or maybe <laughs> you know you, low he, budget movies who knows he might have just not been anyone at that point and it was kind of like okay well we'll cast you this and by the end of it, it's like you're really good so were there any women on the creative team like in major roles great question well it was written by angela carter oh so yeah she co-written distri- co-written by her and neil jordan yeah well i know it was based on a short story that she mm-hmm. well it says screenplay well i think it, it was, was... All, in the credits in the opening credits it says something like story by these two people based on a short by yeah. this person or something yeah. so okay. it was i believe it was a short story of some form before it became a screenplay is it like it's a called romance Red Riding Hood. novel? <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, I don't know. Knows. I do not know. It doesn't look like it. It looks like all of the producers were men. Uh, so you had half a screenwriter working on it, who was a woman, and then uh, Neil Jordan, who obviously is a man. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And it it's hard to tell, like, intent versus what it ended up being versus how it would have ended up differently with a different creative team. But I feel like... I was almost always uncomfortable when there was supposed to be a relationship between people. Like none of those things felt like people actually falling in love for any reason or actually being attracted to each other for any reason. But they do. That's what's worse is like I I get like the weird awkward tension sometimes in movies and I'm like, okay, these two really don't have chemistry, whatever. But in this movie, there's so many times where that happens. And then she's like 
but I'll kiss you anyways. Yeah. And like yeah. she does that with both the boy and the huntsman, yeah. where she seems completely uninterested, but still is like, I'll give you what you want. Yeah, you've yeah. been persistent, and now, okay. Yeah, this is what the script says I'm supposed to do now. Yeah. But it's yeah. like, also like, when I was first watching it, I was like, Angela Lansbury is in this movie. <laughs> like, what the hell? And then, but all the actors are acting their asses off in this movie. Like, they are showing up and doing so much work. Uh, but it's I think it's the writing and the directing choices yeah. and the casting choices. Like, it doesn't, like you're saying, like, you can cast for chemistry and, like, you can make homely people beautiful if someone else thinks they're beautiful, you Absolutely. know? Yeah, and like, I do think, like, I think you're right. Like, all the acting is really strong. Like, yeah, there was never a moment so hard. in this where I was like, oh, God. Like, yeah. they're, they're just reading the script yeah. off. <laughs> Sometimes there's uh, some rough ADR that makes the, the, um, <laughs> yeah. the acting seem poor, but I think it's just the ADR. Yeah. Like One of the things I like to bring up when we're talking about this is uh, there was a show called Farscape that was on Sci-Fi Channel for four years. Uh, and I really loved the show. And it's hard to go back and watch it now because it was late 90s, early 2000s. So effects were and it was made by the Henson Company. So it was a lot of puppets and stuff. But I liked that. So for me, it worked. But the main thing that was impressive to me about that was the relationship of the two main characters, the two actors uh, who I still adore to this day. And they cast for chemistry. Like they they had cast the lead guy. Yeah. And then they just brought in a lot of different actresses to work with him. And they reset their schedule completely and rebudgeted to be able to work with a specific actress because everybody was like, this works. Yeah. And this is what's going to sell the show and sell it to people, you know, sell them as characters who we want to see end up together. And they did that. And that is the strongest part of the show is that relationship. And right. So you, and then you write to that chemistry. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. So there, so you can't, I agree, you, you can cast for that mm-hmm. um, unless you're, you know, in a hurry or they're just people you specifically want to work with or you're just following your pre-vision. I think that's what it is. Of what you think it's supposed to be. Yeah. As opposed to allowing it to be organic. And then making compromises instead of like making smart compromises. Right. Like you could like, Rosaline, like that actor, like, yeah. If they picked her, she is really great. Mm-hmm. And so, like, make it a coming-of-age story instead of a, I don't know what it is. Or say, you know what, on my next project, I really want to work with her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't work for this. Yeah. But, and a lot of... But that's, that's not, I think the whole, the movie was never going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's, yeah. a, like... I mean, we'll talk about later how we're going to fix it, but I don't, it's one of those kind of burn it down type of things because <laughs> the people involved just didn't have the right ideas going or into had it. too many ideas. Well, do you guys have, it doesn't even have to be a movie, but like media that you like that's based off of dreams. Inception this is something was that, all right. This is something. Was, yeah. It was like <laughs> when you were talking about lists where dreams within a dream. So I was like, Inception has to be on that list. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean... Wizard of Oz is a good example mm-hmm. of one that I think works. And have you guys seen Jacob's Ladder? No. No. So uh, there was a short story. Oh my God, I'm blanking on who wrote it. And I apologize, even though I don't think this person is alive anymore. Boy, if they're alive, I really apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just double down. But I think it's called Incident at Owl Creek. And it's I've sh- seen that. Yeah. That it, was also a film. It was a short film that yeah. was, I think, then put on Twilight Zone. Gotcha. Um, and it's about, uh, I think, a Civil War uh, soldier who is hung off a bridge. And he the rope snaps and he escapes. 
And then slowly throughout this piece, he starts choking and and can't breathe. He can't get air. And then you find out that his entire escape was his last moments being hung from the rope. And that is a situation where it's a fantasy or a dream. And then we get we get answers that explain the whole thing. Basically, at the end, we go, oh, I see. Jacob's Ladder is kind of a modern interpretation of that, where it's a war. A person has come back to the city from war, uh, from the Vietnam War. And uh, it's Tim Robbins from Shawshank Redemption. And he keeps getting sick and he keeps having these nightmares about these monstrous doctors working on him. And his uh, his girlfriend is maybe turning into a demon he can't tell and then he gets these horrible fevers and they have to put him into a bathtub full of ice and he's just miserable and it's and it escalates and escalates until you find out at the end spoilers if you're gonna watch jacob's ladder (laughs) jump 15 seconds ahead uh you find out at the end that he is on the operating table in vietnam Mm. and he is just this has been a fever dream as they're trying to save his life and then you can go back and see the film through that veil right like you can you can look at it and go this 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 oh it all makes sense i don't feel like the dreams are trying to teach me anything in this film no like that's (laughs) and it's weird too because it's the opposite thing right where it goes in and saying this whole film is going to be a dream like right out of the gate as opposed to these other stories which are like surprise even though I don't think... Sixth Sense style. Yeah. Yeah. Which I also love. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what... I, like, in my notes, I put in there that was, like at, the, like, at the beginning, when I realized... I was like, oh, we're going into a dream sequence. I was thinking, like, oh, this dream sequence is way too long for <laughs> it being so early in this movie. You are so sweet. I Like, as soon as she... Ha- I was like, why doesn't she wake up? Why is she wearing lipstick? Oh, God, this is going to be awful. Like, I was like, before we even went into her See, dream no, sequence, I was like, ugh. I was still kind of hoping yeah. for the best because, like, the dream sequence started and it was like, it got, like, three or four or five minutes into the dream sequence and I was like, this is a really long dream sequence for there to be no introduction to who these characters are. Like, when are we going to pop out of this? Mm-hmm. And then it turns out the answer was never. Yeah. <laughs> I ran into that same thing because, like, there's really good filmmaking going on in the in the first few minutes of the if film. If you ignore the style of the credits, yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Everything else looks great. But, like, the, the dog running around through the woods and then there's packs of them running through the house and she's, you know. Yeah. What's the movie um, with uh, Sutherland? Kiefer Sutherland. And, Invasion of the Body Snatchers? And no, it has a similar That's Donald opening. Sutherland. It, eh, I think it guy. might be Donald Sutherland. Oh, see? Is, was... is this movie, his, it's his, the, he and his wife have a daughter. <gasps> Don't look now. Don't look now. That the movie's opening, fucking brilliant. The opening of this movie reminded yeah. me of Don't Look Now. And so I was like, as even the credits, you know, because they're really dated. So mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, ooh, okay, where are we going? <laughs> yeah. You know? Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie. Yes. It's an incredible yeah. thriller. Yeah. Uh, that is, yeah. And you're right. The opening are very similar. Yeah. The, the slow motion. Like color. Like yeah. It, yeah. I, both, I think, both very much a product of their time. Yeah. Uh, but they build stakes. Like, you're nervous. Like, mm-hmm. that dog running, the car coming, you're nervous at the beginning. So yeah. I was like, where is this going to go? Good sound design. Like, yeah. it's all it's all there. Like, all everything yeah. that's supposed to be there is there, except, yeah. like, the story. Yeah. Did you see, <laughs> on second watching, did you notice that the dog ran over the well in the very beginning? I did not. No. The well is no. in their field oh. where she's dreaming. So there was... 
some yeah. loose uh, like Wizard of Oz type yeah. seed planting. Yeah, but you got to watch it twice. And who's going to watch that twice unless they're going to be on but, real bad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I, there are people who love it. Yeah. I don't get it. I would love for you to tweet at me why you love it. Like <laughs> really at Real Bad Pod. Just though. please. I, I want to know. <laughs> I, like people hold it in high esteem and I'm not seeing it. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's. I. Yeah, I think there have been movies that we've watched on here that I've like hated that I can kind of still see like especially when Sam is the one who's like well, yeah. but I love this thing so much I can see the charm that he's seeing in it I just don't relate yeah but yeah. I can see what that person is getting out of the thing this would be hard for me to understand what there is in there that you're like no no you're just not seeing it man there on second watching there were things that I'm like oh yeah I like that part like because it's is funny and weird, but I had to like divorce myself from thinking anything was going to happen. You know, like mm-hmm. on second watching, I was just trying to get through the movie. And so I was like, oh yeah, the babies in the eggs. That's a funny part. <laughs> oh yeah, this part with the devil in a car, like the only car we see. Like, Well, I actually liked the, uh, when the guy comes in and chops off the, the wolf's head and it turns into a human head in the yes that's bucket. very that's effective really cool yeah that actually I, I yeah put that in my notes of like that was cool like yeah. the the chops off the wolf's head it falls into like a bucket of milk for some yeah. reason that's just hanging out there uh and then comes out of the where milk. do you store your buckets of milk, your milk? Of milk? <laughs> yeah uh in the fridge nick uh, <laughs> they didn't have fridges the floor is colder <laughs> but I, i'm assuming it was to hide the effect because water wouldn't work. Well, um, true. But the wolf. Oh, head, I assumed it was some sort of weird sexual thing. Oh, uh, see, like, I just assumed oh. it was like, oh, they had this cool idea of a wolf's head falls into a bucket, but a man's head comes out, and you can't do that in water without actually yeah. like using some CGI, mm-hmm. so you can hide it completely. But I think that is a really effective uh, trick, except they do it twice. Yeah, which probably which bothered me. Like later on in the movie, we get like the guy, the dad, maybe like chops off a paw of a wolf. Mm-hmm. Did you see his ring? Mm-hmm. I did not see his ring. What's his ring? The ring, it's the it's the groom. Oh, really? From her story. Oh. oh. There are more seeds planted than I yeah. thought. Yeah. Good I noticed job. the They ring. go nowhere. <laughs> That's yes. the thing. That's but, fair. But there is at least more connective tissue than I thought. it's supposed to be the groom's hand. Okay. That's funny. Here's my reaction to that when I was watching it. I went... I was wearing a ring. I wonder, I don't fucking care. (laughs) Same. I was like watching it. I was like, I got to figure out where this ring came from. I was like, I don't know. Like they didn't play the strong I was even further. I was just like, he was wearing a ring. (laughs) (laughs) I did have a moment where I was like, was it on the dog? Like, <laughs> yeah, but like that, the fact that like it's supposed to be sort of a a, a moment in this movie of like I chopped it off, I chopped off the paw, and now it's a man's hand. Yeah, we're like we kind of saw that happen already with a head, yeah. and a head's yeah. cooler than a hand. So yeah. I didn't mind. I liked the werewolf lore. I th- the thing that I liked the most, I think, even though it was gross and made me feel a little bit sick, was the werewolf transformation because regardless of like the weird body shots of pulsating muscles on that last one. Uh, it goes on for so long. It goes long. on yeah. for like an uncomfortably long time. But the idea that to become a werewolf, they have to rip through the human skin is a very weird and gross and horrifying thing. Mm-hmm. But it raises uh, more questions for me. Yes. Yeah, the mechanics yeah. of it don't Do they then grow human skin back? 
can they no. return they to human form? Only when they die, or Split when they open come back and become human. human? <laughs> or is it like a, a Russian nesting doll, or it's just they keep coming out of the same <laughs> one? That would, would make the, that yeah. would make the babies and the eggs more make more sense. Oh, oh. yeah, I guess it would. I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking. But it's, yeah, speaking of the, like, transformation parts, like, Nick, you were talking about how the stories don't really have arcs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're like, when is it over? That's how I felt about the transformation sometimes, <laughs> too, because it was just, like, a weird Eisenstein project <laughs> of, like, watching different things happen for way too long. Well, yeah, because you get, like, uh, you get him, like, shaking, like, yeah. that it looks like he doesn't want to be doing this yeah. type of thing. And then you get a close-up of his back. And you're like, oh, like something's gonna come out. He's gonna get fur, whatever, like that. And they go back to a shot of him shaking again. You're like, it's gonna happen. Yeah. And then another shot of the same back. No more hair. No, no. blood. No nothing. And you're just like, cool. Neil Jordan cast this guy for his back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love this dude's back. It's probably a stunt back. Probably. <laughs> Actually, you're probably right. That yeah. probably was not his back. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a very strange film because I think there, like I said, there's craft there. Like uh-huh. the the filmmaking, like. Nothing's ever out of focus. It's it's nicely lit. It's well shot. They're great actors doing great acting. Like they're yeah, really the put, sets are awesome. It's you know there's a lot of mood mm-hmm. to it. They've set the mood, but it just as I the the whole thing with the ring really is my reaction to the whole movie. It's like I wonder. Uh, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know I, I I didn't care about anyone in this movie, which is another weird thing. Like not one person. I. Didn't like some of them, but I didn't like any of them. Maybe the priest. I liked the priest. He seemed yeah. likable. He even dropped a tree on Angela Lansbury, which was really yeah. funny. <laughs> and I appreciated yeah. that because yeah. she was being mean yeah. to him. So, you know, the, if you have no characters that you like and there's no stories that are going anywhere and the lore doesn't really matter, even though I agree it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. What are, why is this, what did you want to do? <laughs> and that's the thing, like, I understand if you wanted to cast older and then have, a, a, you know, more of a real, I don't want to say graphic, it's not the right word I'm looking for, but a, a, a more of a sexual awakening story. I could well, see that. Well, especially, like, matched with the violence. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of movies out there that are like, okay, here's a bunch of sex scenes and a bunch of violent scenes. Love it, dudes. Um, and I could see this movie being Keyword that. Dudes. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that was yeah. 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 <laughs> like that's what I think. That wasn't accidental. No, no, I know, I know. I just wanted to highlight it because yeah. I was like, good, good detail. Matt. I think that's who that script is for. The original script. I think it's for those dudes watching those movies that just like, I want some uh, bloody ripping skin off scenes, and then I want some boobs. And there's some. There's like one shot of boobs in this movie, so they slipped it in there, I guess. But. Like it's, I missed it. There were werewolf boobs. It's the it's the she wolf when she's like oh, being fed right. by the priest or like yeah. that. They yeah. like show her naked. Okay. Um, but and everybody cries a lot in this movie. When I say cries a lot, I mean they have a lot of tears. She's like yeah. leaking. Only like wolves. <laughs> Only wolves cry a lot. Oh, good point. That's yeah. part of the lore. Nick. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what they were foreshadowing when she's dreaming, and she's just crying, and there's a puddle on the floor. Sure. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> we have decided it we figured yeah. this movie out guys yeah I there are a couple things that I couldn't figure out maybe you guys can help me now oh, just a couple oh my yeah. god well, you won this movie there's a, most of them we've covered at this point you were point. like 10 minutes in before you hated it and you only <laughs> couldn't figure out a couple things why does the grandma have an alive weasel 
that looks like I wrote my notes. I was like, she has an evil Emmett Otter that hangs out on her shoulder and just oh gets God. mad. I haven't thought of Emmett Otter in forever. Well, look back at that weasel. He looks just like Emmett Otter, but angry. And I don't like it makes her grandma seem like a witch character. I didn't catch on to the fact that he was alive, even though he reacts. <laughs> you know, I thought I guess I thought it was just Rosaline's imagination of her grandma's uh, whatever that's right. called. And I think that works if yeah. we had seen the grandma wearing like a fur right? in the real world. Yeah. But because we don't ever see this grandma in the real world, right. we don't even know if the grandma's real. I don't think the grandma is real. I think she's that weird doll in the beginning. <sighs> oh. That we cut to in another Eisenstein scene. <laughs> <laughs> gonna use montage it's yeah. gonna be wonderful nope yeah. in case you missed that montage i'm gonna do it again <laughs> yeah. and we're gonna watch everyone in this movie you get a sleeping scene as yeah. well of like okay cool how long do we have to watch them sleep yeah. nope. <laughs> it was inside of a dream i don't even need to watch people sleep inside of a dream movie's only 80 minutes we need 10 more minutes yeah well, that's what like when we kept like cutting to the so many of those scenes like just repeated shots and yeah. people sleeping and all this stuff I'm like you only have an hour and a half Yeah, use it wisely <laughs> the only other real note I had written down was that there's a peacock that gets run the hell oh, over yeah. by a pack of dogs <laughs> and that I wasn't thought, like a fake movie no, moment <laughs> and you hear it squawk yeah. like oh god I felt so bad for that peacock and you can like you see it coming because oh you, you're watching this pack of dogs run through the world and then all of a sudden they just cut to like a, an establishing shot of a peacock Peacock standing there, you're like, oh, and then <laughs> just like barrel over this thing, and they stay on the shot long enough so you see the peacock get back up and like, huh, what just happened? That's and, the character I cared about. Yeah. I was like, run! <laughs> yeah, this movie should be all from the peacock's point of view. Yeah. Oh, that would be better. <laughs> I would appreciate that more. Maybe well, the peacock and the mink stole that come alive. They like yes. they like are friends later. Yeah, they're just hanging out like yeah. in the closet together. Did you like, see that shit? Did you yeah. see what they did to me? It's like, yeah, dude, that was fucked up. <laughs> they nailed me to a door <laughs> and then punched me at one point. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So weird. Well, at this point, we need to move on to how we would fix this particular film. Um, Sari, why don't yeah. you go ahead and go first? Okay. This is not easy for me, so so please. He's gonna go last. Enlighten us. <laughs> gonna gonna steal everyone else's idea. I'm just gonna You're sit here and go. That's great. Creative <laughs> and wonderful. Um, <laughs> so my ideas are: I have one very vague idea and one like very specific and very dark idea, and they might mush together. Rad. <laughs> so I'm a fan I already. <laughs> want when Matt said you need an establishing sequence outside of a dream i thought of like pan's labyrinth kind that's of thing that's exactly what i thought where yeah. it would be nice to have this girl be on a journey of self-discovery and dipping into and out of her fantasy and reality mm-hmm. and then have the main tension of the the movie stay similar in that it's sexuality related but it's like predatory sexual behavior mm-hmm. which Totally makes sense because, like, that's what the grandma's trying to tell us the whole time, and that's all we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, if you keep and maybe pick like three main examples of scary men and make this into like a proper terrifying horror film for any woman who watches it, and like also men, but like viscerally terrifying and recognizable for women, of 
so you can have the the boy who seems benign in his interest but then gets a little bit too pushy that's relatable experience and Mm -hmm. then there's like the the huntsman who is older predatory like luring her into whatever his his trap and off her path off her path and with the guise of maturity and then i feel like you need a third character in the red riding hood metaphor it would be similar to like the hunter that comes in to shoot the wolf so someone who seems to be her protector Mm. but then ends up betraying her which i think they almost try to hint at with the dad when she's like does he hurt you yep um i got bad bad vibes from the dad Yeah. yeah Yeah. Um, I was I was waiting for you to actually say that the third one would be the father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um who is the the Which yeah, is uh, also the the whole thing of like the, it's supposed to be the protector, supposed to be, you know, not just a father but a parent figure mm-hmm. is supposed yeah. to be the protector and then when you and invert non-sexual. that non-sexual. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I yeah. Yeah. So she has all these like very intense, very bad relationships that in or and if you're a child the thing that you would do to avoid that, which makes sense, is to like re- recoil into a fantasy world to help process. That makes sense as a movie mm-hmm. trope, story trope, real life, mental health kind of thing. And can be done really well, like in the case of Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, and could be done like in an artful way, like in a hard way to watch, super, yeah. super hard to watch, but could make the film have a through line and a purpose for this main character and a reason for us to care about her mm-hmm. and root for her and... Like, you'd have to work your way to a resolution of some point, even if that resolution is, the world's really shitty. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's the movie I'd make. (laughs) (laughs) No, but what's the movie about? Well, the world's shitty. No, but what? Men are shitty in particular. Yeah. Yeah. If we're going to focus on it. (laughs) Caitlin, how would you fix this? Um, I think if I was... uh, Well, I like Sarah's idea a lot. I also like Sarah's idea. (laughs) Um, I would watch that movie and I would... Hate it. Yeah, I would cry. Okay, like, yeah, a lot. I would cry a lot and have but, and be in a funk for days. But mm-hmm. it would be a good movie. Um, but if I were Neil Jordan and I wanted to make all these stories, I would have just made a series of vignettes and been like, it's like the um, Grimm brothers, and just been like, here's this story, here's this story, here's this story, sure. and had a fun little thing. Um, well, I told Nick that's what I thought it was. It kind of it was because, it's trying to be that and then doesn't. Well, because yeah. at like exactly at, like the thirty minute mark. They come out of the first story and you see her asleep in bed. And I was like, oh, end of chapter one. Yeah, Let's get into chapter two. two. And I thought yeah. it was going to be, like, gonna be a slightly different dream, like yeah. different world, different whatever. And then it was like talking about immediately the things that happened in the last section. I was like, oh. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like it's like same. a made for TV one. movie. Or yeah. Something. Commercial yeah. break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but if what I would really like to do and like the themes that stuck out to me that were interesting was that she is learning to tell, like, stories. Like, she is, like, she hears a story from her grandmother, and then she tells a story to her mother, but it's a story her grandmother has told her. And then she makes up her own story. And that, like, is growth you can track. Mm -hmm. It's (laughs) messy and hidden in this version of the movie. But, like, she's like, well... I would never let a man do that to me. Like she has these like feminist lines that are just lines, but they could be part of her character if she had been written well and, um, and have her like, yeah, have her deal with these predatory people and animals. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, 
and like learn and grow from them and outsmart them and take the things that she does learn from the women around her. Like she does have two like pretty strong female role models um, that at least have some opinions. I don't know if I agree with any of them, Mm -hmm. but they, you know, like, so she could like, I don't know. I would just like to care about Rosaline because I can see her grow and see that she is stubborn and that like you can root for her because you're like, oh, amorous boy, I think is how he's (laughs) credited is um, he's you see him and you're like, oh, you suck. She's great. You know, like and like lean into that and let her like outrun outfox these predators. And that would have been really cool. Yeah, that would be cool in like a storybook structure, too, because it's like chapter one. Yeah, that's a good. Point. The annoying yeah. boy. Well, yeah. it also connects with your yeah. idea of having like three different yeah. things. Is like you mm-hmm. can focus each of those stories on a different person, a different event. Mm-hmm. Like, Watch for our movie that Sari and I are making called "The Three Little Pigs." <gasps> oh <laughs> shit! Oh dang! <laughs> this is why that's... you're a producer, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah. That's real good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's amazing. All right, Matt. How would you fix it? Uh, I have two very opposite ideas. Cool. One. <laughs> well, this is my problem with this movie too. Is it's just so it doesn't so make much. a choice. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, so my first uh, most bare bones one is just cut off the beginning and the end. Yeah. And just like, have it all take place. Just have it all take place in this fantasy world. Sure. That way, the stories within the story aren't that distracting because it's not a third layer of a yeah. movie. We're not in Inception. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just oh yeah, this is a story of like a young Red Riding Hood character and her adventures with her grandma and these wolves and like. You, it doesn't even need to be a dream. Like it can just be a weird fantasy world mm-hmm. where these things happen. Um, the flip side of that, I've already talked about a few times of like planting those seeds and having things happen in the real world that connect to the dream itself. And I think the number one thing is establishing like the granny character as being someone who you can open the film with her a granny telling her a story in the real world as she's about to go to bed much in like the princess bride type way mm-hmm. but like and this one being a dream not just a story like the granny's telling the story doesn't get to finish the story but it's like leading to a werewolf story mm-hmm. and then the mother or the father comes in and is probably the mother because she seems to be at odds with the granny a bit in the dream but she comes in and is like oh well granny you gotta stop the story like she, Rosalie needs to get to bed now, so skedaddle. Um, <laughs> and so the granny leaves, and then we fall into this dream sequence. But you set it up with uh, what the the story the granny was telling beforehand. You get like you kind of know where it's going or yeah. what's going to happen in this, um, and then you get to see it play out with her in this dream world. Um, and then we actually have a connection to the granny. So when she dies, it's not just a quick moment that no one cares about, right. which mm-hmm. that should have been a huge moment in the film. I is almost just was like, wait, she died? Yeah. Like- <laughs> Porcelain. <laughs> I forgot. But that's the thing is like the fact that she gets there and she does like appear very like strong in the moment of like she gets to this cabin, realizes that dude obviously killed her grandma mm-hmm. and she needs to confront him. Like she doesn't. It, I think it's supposed to be strong, but she comes across almost like uncaring. It's like whatever, I'll get another grandma. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like oh yeah, you didn't eat her hair because you guys don't like hair. It's like that's your grandma's hair in the fire. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I want to care about the grandma more, and it's Angela Lansbury, so it's not very hard to do. No. <laughs> so yeah. just give me her earlier. Yeah. Um, and I guess when you come out of the dream at the end, 
you can still kind of keep it weird because we didn't really talk about that much, but the end is definitely like, but was it really all a dream? Right. Because yeah. yeah. a wolf jumps through the window and we're not given any more evidence. Wolf jumps through the window and credits. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's, so, yeah. yeah, that's, that's, I think that's it. Okay. <laughs> I say burn it down. Um, <laughs> you burn it down and you make a decision about what you're going to do. And I, I f- feel like there's just not enough decisions being made from a macro level about what this is and what kind of story you're wanting to tell. Um, and so that led it to being just very ineffective to me. Mm-hmm. Just nothing. I didn't care about anything. And anytime I started to, I ended up backing up like with the ring and just going, oh, I don't care. And it doesn't matter. Um, you know, there's a lot I like about it. I'd love to see a werewolf story told by Neil Jordan. I think he could do an interesting one. This one wasn't. Um, maybe the short story is fascinating. So just start all over again. <laughs> just just throw it in the trash and start over again. Uh, with that said, I really liked everybody else's idea. <laughs> um, so we need to rate this thing. I rate all of these films based on categories like Storms. And this is going to be a category three. So right in the middle, good craft. No story, uh, good actors, but no story, and just a lot of no story. And that really just brought me down through the whole thing. So, yeah, it's a category three. Matt? Uh, I originally wanted to give this movie a one out of five on the Possessed Mushroom Puppet scale, but I think we have talked enough about there's good actors, uh, there are a few effective moments, even if they're repeated uh, yeah, that head. Whew. Yeah, the head. I think is a really good moment. Um, and honestly, that was one of those moments where I was like, "Oh, they put some money into this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an effective thing." Uh, so I give it a two out of five. Possessed mushroom puppets. Okay, Caitlin, you haven't done yours in a while. Yeah, I remembered how I rate things, though. I rate them <laughs> on if I wish this movie didn't exist, or if I wish that oh. it's such a good idea, idea that I wish it was mine. Mm, right. Um, and. But also, maybe part of my rating scale is, like, there's so much artistry in a film yeah. that when the writing is bad, when the core of it is bad, and you you do such a disservice to all those other artists. And so, like like you're saying, Matt, like, there's so many good elements, but they have no hope of shining when the script is just so bad. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'm going to do uh, – but, but the artistry, like, the – Everybody except the writers showed up. Um, <laughs> right. And so I'm going to give it a four out of ten. Okay. That's my scale. All right. Ooh. Sari. So my scale is unnecessary <laughs> elaborate. It's if I could take either every copy or just one, I don't know, uh, of this movie and throw it into a trash can, what would it be? And they're, <laughs> like trash can's the most vague term you can imagine. I think I would take the DVD and like fling it across the room like, granny's head and see if it almost (laughs) makes it into the fire and like just kind of smashes against the wall whatever happens happens to it because it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter and that's how it felt where it was like do i really care if other people see it yes no i didn't care about it but let the fates decide (laughs) if somebody walks over and picks it up off the floor and watches it meh yeah. If it ends up in the fire, meh. Yep. <laughs> Don't care. I think that's incredibly accurate. <laughs> uh, great. Okay. Well, the last thing we want to do here is make some recommendations in a segment we like to call Real Good. And uh, I am going to go last because I have a very long list of Real Good and I don't want to steal anybody's. Oh. So I'm good to go. So let's just start in reverse order. Sari, what's Real Good for you? Okay. Uh, 
I also wanted to choose a werewolf movie, but I couldn't think of one. So Twilight. I ha- yeah, I know. I thought about like doing that as a joke. Matt, there aren't any werewolves in the first Twilight. So Twilight New Moon. New Moon. Yeah. Uh, I don't. They have to introduce. I mean, he's Jacob. in there. He's in there. He's maybe not a werewolf yet. Yeah. Um, but when do you become a werewolf? Is it when you turn into a wolf or when you just like exist and you will? I think it's when you become a man. Oh, Gotcha. Oh, okay. He's just a boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not yet a woman? Wait, yeah. what, what, what are we doing? Um, it, so anyway, movie with werewolves in it. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows, directed oh. by Taika Waititi and mm-hmm. Jermaine Clement. They're hilarious. I love that movie. It's just such like, they're like, indie New Zealand directors and it's it's mostly about vampires and just playing on all the vampire tropes. They're a bunch of vampires living in modern day New Zealand living their lives having to it's an office style. They're roommates. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like a mockumentary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mockumentary oh, so is the thing. Uh, and there's also werewolves in the greatest line in werewolf media. We're, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. Because they just want to be kind to each other. And so when they swear, they're like, no, no, guys, werewolves, not swearwolves. And I love it. That, oh, that reminds me, because you said greatest werewolf line in media. I think a good second mm-hmm. is uh, in Young Frankenstein. Uh, I'll, he... I'll start it. Werewolf, there, wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, teamwork, yeah, yeah. teamwork. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I, I, I thought of that multiple times throughout this movie when they kept saying werewolf. I was like, there, wolf. <laughs> Why are you talking that way? I thought you wanted to talk that way. <laughs> no, I didn't. Suit yourself, <laughs> Caitlin. What's real good? Um, well, I love everything Taika Waititi has ever done. Um, not an indie so, director anymore. I know. Yeah. Oh, he's so he's, good, though. I first saw him like a short that he did about a kid in a car, and I was like, "Who is this person?" <laughs> um, you can cut all that because that was just me like complimenting Sarah. <laughs> yeah, unless Taika wants to come on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, Taika, just be our friend. <laughs> yeah. Please. Yeah. <laughs> just like one of my tweets. Yeah. yeah. You're not. You're not busy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna do two because I thought of one. When Matt was talking, but we can cut my first one if <laughs> you already. So the one that I thought of when you were talking about the granny was the comic epic Bone. The granny in that is amazing. I don't know if you guys have read Bone. It's just this like little character Bone and his cousins are on this adventure. And they meet this girl named Thor. And Thor is awesome and her granny is really awesome. And so um, that that would be a good thing if you wanted a good like granny daughter story of of couple badasses cool um but really what i want all media that i consume lately to be about is Anne with an e the netflix <laughs> series about Anne of green gables and that is a young woman who's super powerful super like leans into her imagination um, has romantic thoughts, doesn't know what to do with her sexuality. There's even like a counterpart for her in the sex- second season. Sex and season. <laughs> There's even a counterpart for her in the second season where um, she gets compared with a fox, like like Rosaline is compared with a wolf in this. Um, and it's just the, sh- the way it's shot, the way it's written, the way it's acted, like... So good. I watched an episode as a palate cleanser after watching this movie, and I watched that episode again right away. Like, (laughs) the ending scene is just one of the most 
brilliant things I've ever seen. Like, and it, I wish I I have had that idea and tried to write it, and it was not good <laughs> compared to what this is. Like, it's so good. So, Anne with an E, or if you're in Canada, I think it's just called Anne. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Matt, what's your real good? Uh, I'm also going to throw two in the cool. ring then since... Uh, we're talking about that, and Nick apparently has a list, which I'm excited. <laughs> I'll only do two max. Okay, <laughs> I was like waiting for like eight werewolf movies. Um, Chapter one. <laughs> Chapter one of this next two hours of yeah. Nick listing off his. Nick's real just going to tell us about all of his dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I had a real good dream last night. Uh, Page one of twelve. <laughs> so my first uh, little mini uh, real good recommendation is uh, I thought of it while we were talking about some of the puberty. Uh, metaphor throughout this is there's an episode of Boy Meets World awesome. called Who's Afraid of Corey Wolf um, where Cor- right uh, Corey thinks he is becoming a werewolf and he's pretty convinced <laughs> throughout all of this because uh, his like he's feeling weird and he's got hair in weird places and he had a weird altercation with a dog the day before <laughs> and so he thinks he's becoming a werewolf but it turns out obviously he's just starting to go through puberty. This is why you talk to your children about <laughs> yeah, your body. So I don't think they're werewolves. <laughs> um, uh, and then my second one. Uh, which is, I just was watching this movie thinking, this feels a lot like this, but that's better. <laughs> and that's Labyrinth. Yeah. Henson's yeah. Labyrinth. Just, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it shares a lot of common things with this movie of like young girl uh, in a dream, not dream, what's going on type world, uh, but with much more interesting characters uh, and a lot more fun. So go watch The Labyrinth. And. Uh, it's called Labyrinth, but a lot more clarity than this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. David Bowie. Bowie. Yeah. David <laughs> fucking Bowie. And yeah. the Goblin King is amazing. And puppets. And, and some really cute puppets, too. Yeah. The little worm she meets. <laughs> mm. She's going that way. She's going straight to the castle. <laughs> so good. Um, so uh, this is fascinating for me because I'm currently in the midst of trying to write a werewolf screenplay. Ooh. And it's... Don't uh, do this. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mine, and But mine is about, like... It's about PTSD. It's about, um, you know, fearing what you become and things like that. So a little so, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. A little bit. Kind of? okay. L- eh, kind of. Um, I'll more, talk to you about it More that kind of theme, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. More so than this, which I'm still not sure yeah. what the theme yeah. was. Yeah. Um, so this has been an interesting thing to me to watch. And I think sometimes it's good for you to watch things that definitely don't aren't what you want to create. Um, Because they can give me ideas to say, oh, well, okay, I definitely want to make sure I'm clear. Mm -hmm. I definitely want to make sure that my story is, you know, makes sense. So... So there's that that I will say. Um, Look for that in the next 20 years sometime. Um, (laughs) So the first one I'm going to recommend is fairly obvious, and that is American Werewolf in London. Um, If you liked the transformations and stuff in here... The stuff that I believe Rick Baker did in American Werewolf in London is legendary for a reason. It is holy hell. It's like shockingly good. Um, It also is an interesting story in that there isn't an arc for our main character. The the main character Mm -hmm. doesn't have he just gets attacked by a wolf. His friend is killed. And then he spends the rest of movie the movie dealing with what he is or isn't and 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 his friend comes back from the dead to talk him to try to convince him to commit suicide because he's going to kill people and it is a fascinating story and it doesn't have a satisfying ending in a typical sense but it is very clearly linear and it and and it's a really heartfelt story um 
So check that out. The other one that if you want to explore more about like um, sexuality from a woman's perspective and puberty, there's a great indie horror film. I think it was indie or at least low budget called Ginger Snaps, which is a horror film from the late 90s, I think. Cool. Um, and the actors and it was that was a movie that was like all about performance um, and and atmosphere. So, um, well, thank you for listening to this episode of Real Bad. If you like this movie, do let us know. Uh, I don't. And I don't think anyone here did. But uh, thank you very much. Uh, Sari, thank you for joining us. Tell us where people can find you. Uh, best place is Twitter, at C.E. Riley. Excellent. Caitlin, where can people find you? And you have other podcasts and things. Yeah. Um, I have a podcast called You're Doing Just Fine um, that has been in hiatus, but I've just recorded a bunch of episodes, and it's going to come back. And oh, great. you can find it at justfinepodcast.com. Um, or wherever you find podcasts. And I'm on Twitter at Snarky Fern. Excellent. Matt, you also have a podcast to promote. I do. It's called I Love It. Uh, and you can find that on Twitter and Instagram at I Love It Podcast. And then just anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, and then you can find me on the internet at Matthew Gatos. Sweet. You can find Real Bad Pod uh, on Twitter at Real Bad Pod. And, you know, find... Find us on iTunes, of course, and rate and review us there because it helps with the algorithm. Thank you to everybody who has been writing reviews and tweeting at us and letting us know stuff. We're going to have some big announcements in the next couple weeks that I am very excited about. So do stay tuned for that. Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our other podcasts uh, about nostalgia and movies from the 80s and on all things Fast and Furious. So I highly recommend it. And uh, next week, we're still figuring out who is going to be in town and who isn't going to be in town, but we have a plan for both. So (laughs) in order to find out, you have to check in next week. And until then, this has been Real Bad.